Welcome to Make Things That Matter, the podcast where we explore impactful products and the cultures that create them. I'm your host, Andrew Scottsko, and if I'm doing my job well, each episode of this show will help you to do meaningful work, make things that make things better, and have a great experience doing it. Well, I am delighted to come back to you from my recent sabbatical and recharge time with my guest in this conversation, Kenny Borg. Kenny has spent more than a decade as a founder and a CEO operating and advising direct-to-consumer brands. And more recently, Kenny has co-founded Ether, which is a coaching collective that I think has just one of the most beautiful intentions for what they do. Ether is a coaching collective that exists to help people develop a relationship with their own consciousness and to actualize wisdom. And one of the things that I really love about Kenny that I think comes through very clearly in this conversation is that he really is a perpetual student of master teachers across a variety of traditions, in particular, the indigenous peoples of the Americas. That is one of the facets of who he is that I think is most distinct compared to many other leaders or coaches or entrepreneurs that you'll come across. And it's something that I think is really unique to him and that you're going to really appreciate as I do. Now, in this conversation, we explore deeply a lot of the process of personal and professional transformation and change. We explore identity formation and reformation, more importantly, how to discover what you want, and also how the way we show up, live, and work is evolving as we all emerge from this crazy time of the pandemic. There's a lot of things I could say, but I think rather than that, let's just get into it. So please enjoy Kenny Borg. Kenny, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you today? Thank you, Andrew. Doing great. Awesome to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. It's such a pleasure. You know, we've gotten a chance to get to know each other a bit over this last year or so. And in a recent conversation, it was just so obvious to me that we needed to get you on the show here. So I'm just thrilled we get this time together. So thanks for thanks for carving out a little bit of time. Of course. And you've got a lot of exciting things going on that we're going to we're going to talk all about. But I thought it'd be fun to start just kind of getting to know you a little bit for the listeners. You went through a really interesting transition from my perspective from being a D1 college football player to an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping you could you could talk to me a little bit about what that transition was like, because I can imagine that that was a huge shift for you on multiple levels, not just in how you're spending your time, of course, but also in really like probably your, I'm assuming your, your real, like your self identity. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Major, major identity work with the athlete shifts out of being an athlete. And, you know, I think most people play some sort of sports growing up in our culture in Western culture. So it's something that everyone battles on some level, not everyone, but lots of people. And for me, you know, just to take it all the way back, I, parents got divorced around 13. And so for me, football was like the stability Mm. throughout that experience. And they had a a pretty lengthy, not so pleasant divorce Mm. for my brother and I. And so, yeah, I found football and just poured everything into it, you know, found mentors through that, you know, coaches, good forms of masculine leadership, father figures, father archetypes. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so just kind of, you know, found support and stability and stuck with that, poured everything into it, was able to earn a college scholarship to play at Fresno State as a defensive end there. And it was my complete identity. Mm. And as I know you, you may have heard or experienced yourself, athletes in college, you know, it's, it's all you do. It's who you are. And everybody thinks they're going to the NFL, myself included. So, and only about, you know, 1% of athletes or college football players actually do go to the NFL. So we're all living into this dream Mm. that we're going to make it and we're going to be the guy. And most of us don't realize the, the harsh reality of it until, you know, we have 
been pushed out into the job market and <laughs> our athletic dreams are crushed. And only at that point do we start thinking about the identity that we might want to create for ourselves outside of being an athlete. And sometimes it takes years for, for post-college athletes to even get to that point. Yeah. And I have friends that, you know, they, they went and they stayed and continued to try out for the NFL for like three, four years after mm. and just found, found side hustles and work to keep them going to keep the athletic dream alive and there's not a whole lot of talk about this in college sports some schools more than others and especially in this day and age universities are doing a lot to pour into their athletes to help them develop themselves outside of sports Mm. and develop a mindset for for post you know post sports in college but when i was in it there was still very much the you know we're all going to the nfl dream Mm -hmm. was alive and Mm -hmm. well and so yeah the disappointment of that was was tough and for me it ended with a career ending injury a couple of acl tears to the same knee so i was actually fortunate in hindsight to transition all of that energy i was putting into football into business ended up starting a business in college so then that became my identity yeah and we could talk more we can talk more about the the journey of of identity construction as an entrepreneur and all the pros and cons of that as well Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating place to start this exploration together because you said something in passing there that I think is common in our culture, but is also there's a lot of depth there that I want to push into a little bit. So, you know, you said that like as an athlete, what you it's what you do, but it's not just what you do. It's who you are. And I think that's endemic to our culture, right? Like American Mm -hmm. culture in general, I would say. Mm-hmm. very much embraces that idea, particularly within the sort of the world of entrepreneurship. How, how do you, do you see, do you feel a through line there? And, and like, how do you reflecting on your own identity transition from being an athlete, like that was dominant in your reality uh-huh. and then shifting that multiple times since, how do you think about that now? Do you, do you still hold that the identity with the same in the same way? Or do you, do you now have kind of a different relationship to what you do? Yeah. Well, just to, reflect and play off of something that you said you know the athlete becoming who you are and the identity it's it's more than that it's really you you're not the athlete so you're becoming something that you're not Mm. and that and you're assuming that identity and then it's really a process of actually at some point deciding oh i i'm not this person i have a different person inside of me who's more authentic and exploring how to build a relationship with that so that's that's really the journey i think it translates directly to entrepreneurship and it took me a long time as an entrepreneur to, you know, start to tap into, you know, my personal identity, the narratives and stories that I had about myself and start to really like take hold of those and craft those. And it's, it's an ever evolving process for sure. I mean, still to this day, it's like the, the pinnacle of my self work is how do I step into my most authentic, highest expression and, you know, what tools and, and peers and coaches and whoever on my team is supporting me and exploring that, but the the work never seems to end. And it's all completely related to that major athlete identity that I assumed for so many years and, and still continue to impact that. And I would say at this point, I've come back to it and said, Hey, I'm really, really grateful for everything that football taught me mm. and the leadership qualities, working in team dynamics, performing under pressure, like all these really, really incredible life skills and assets. But there was a while there where I, you know, really repelled it. There's also a lot of toxic masculinity in, in the culture of football. So that mm-hmm. taking a lot of years to unpack all of that and, you know, feel safe around men again and feel like I could 
relate authentically with men in a way where I wasn't, you know, being judged or mm. put down for making the wrong move. So psychological safety, very low in the locker room. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of dynamics at play, but, but at this point, right, like it's been well over a decade, very grateful for all of it. And now tapping back into that part of my life and knowing that like, there's a lot of people there I can support that are walking the journey of an athlete and, and making that major identity shift. And identity shift is one of like the major topics that I coach on identity mm. shift and transition. Mm. And so it's all informed by the journey that I've walked, you know, myself as an athlete and an entrepreneur. You know, I think it's, it's pretty rare that we step back and we actually look at it at like, look at our identity as constructed and as the outcome or the output of a, of a process that we're participating in, whether we're consciously participating in that process or just kind of along for the ride. But you, know, you, you very clearly have done this intentionally at least after a certain point in your life but you, you know you mentioned there where like mm -hmm. you're not the athlete but then you you decide to become that athlete ha, talk to me about that talk to me about that like that that deciding to build an identity because i could see that being that process being translating really well to entrepreneurship to art to you know fill <laughs> in the blank here yeah well with becoming an athlete i don't think it's as much of a decision as it is just how you're finding meaning and belonging mm. at the time mm -hmm. it's it's everything that our culture says to do is be good at sports and you know getting a college scholarship for sports is like the the biggest form of success at the age of 17 or 18 yep. so not a very conscious decision but felt great you know friends family everyone cheering for you coaches mm -hmm. schools super proud of you in high school mm -hmm. and you know all of that was was really an unconscious progression and part of my path and then there was a certain point you know beyond football as an entrepreneur that I decided okay how much of this entrepreneur identity have I assumed that was created for me by others mm -hmm. right where I kind of step into being like person x y and z or aspire to achieve what they've achieved and then like really starting the process of asking myself is is this identity that I currently hold for myself actually me mm -hmm. and if not you know how do I explore what my true identity might be or what, you know, what the identity I want to create for myself is and how to even develop a mindset around identity so that we're not really pigeonholing, pigeonholing ourselves to one way of being in the world, but taking a more, you know, expansive, open, ever evolving approach to how we relate to ourselves and how we see ourselves and think others see ourselves. I'm so fascinated by this. And it's such a timely thing just in, in my own life. You know, you and I have talked about this offline in terms of my own, yeah. my own evolving identity and, and the, I'm in a phase of my life where I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm deep into a transition and a sabbatical. So I've been exploring many of these questions, which is part of the reason I'm so fascinated by this right now. So, it's, you know, even, even <laughs> selfishly, I'm asking, but so I really appreciate you, you being willing to, to discuss that. Let me offer this and then we can see where it takes us. But like one of the things that I've noticed in, in my own process of the last call it eight months has been this tension between the the what you were just describing of okay wow like i am examining the identity i have taken on that i've put on like a like a like a shirt and saying what about that's authentic to me what's real what do i want to keep what do i want to let go of but then and, and mm. there's a lot of fluidity and kind of flux in that process certainly like internally there's this you, you can feel like mm -hmm. a this vortex of just what the hell's going on and so my, i think the question i'm getting at here is is either for yourself or i know you've coached a lot of folks as well when someone's in this transitional process how does one find 
a a bastion of stability right some something that can be their their stability their refuge their their whatever you want to call that amidst all of this changing swirling around them or at least that's what it feels like experientially so I'm, I'm curious what that opens up or what you've seen there i mean the big thing that's coming through is just it really all comes down to your relationship with yourself and how you navigate such things right as identity and the big questions of who am i where am i going and you mentioned the word ritual that, that's definitely a big part of my life. Mm. I, I think everything is a ritual if you choose to relate to it in that way, right? People talk about morning rituals. Well, morning rituals at this point are like, what biohacks and, <laughs> and apps can I use to like make my time most efficient? And, you know, the actual meaning of a ritual is like it's a sacred act of, you know, connecting with something, you know, yourself, something greater than yourself, others, whatever, whatever the intention of that ritual is. And I think having having a relationship with ritual is a way to create, you know, personal stability in your inner landscape and to feel like you have consistent consistency and things that you relate to that are always with you through the process of self-exploration, identity creation, you know, expansion, the highs and the lows of all of it. Mm. So that that's what comes up for me. Definitely a big part of my life. How would you distinguish routine and ritual? Because like all the biohack type stuff, you know, you hear people talk about their morning routines and the whatever seven minute morning miracle or whatever the case is. Uh So so Uh what what is it that really makes the trend? What what transforms something from a routine to a ritual? Intention, really. You know, am I approaching this? If if coffee is a morning ritual for you, are you are you really being with that coffee or are you just like subconsciously drinking the coffee? Mm. Are you smelling the coffee? Are you like letting the aroma into your body and feeling it in your cells? Are you setting intentions for the day into that coffee? So you're infusing it with that intention and then, you know, bring actually bringing it into your body. Are you noticing how that coffee is making you feel Mm -hmm. as you drink it, as it warms, as it warms your throat and warms your stomach and your body? That to me is ritual. So anything with intention hmm. is a simple intention makes it ritual. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? Are we connecting at a deeper level than just going through the motions of routine? Sounds like a combination of, of let's say, presence and, and also intention or, or maybe just put them together and say intentional presence. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really interesting, I think we've got a, a beautiful jumping off point. I want to start to jump into the the main stuff I think we're going to explore today, which is everything that you're building and exploring with Ether. So I've had the privilege of, of getting to know you off this show, but for, for those who haven't, could you just really quick, like what, what is Ether? What is this all about? And, and set a stage for us and then, you know, we'll jump off from there. About three and a half years ago, as I was starting to make my transition out of being a CEO and an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. I basically decided I'm going to continue to be an entrepreneur and start, you know, start another company, but it wasn't, I hadn't assumed that identity yet. It was really, really like repelling the old identity. I don't want to be an entrepreneur anymore. I don't want to be CEO. I want to be a coach. Right. Mm, Okay. So I, I I went to coaching school and started to get clients as I was still, you know, a full-time CEO. And at a certain point in that process, I realized I don't just want to like jump into a new domain without community. Mm. Community has been everything for me as an entrepreneur and in terms of my, you know, work play, how supported I feel and everything that I'm doing, it's, it all comes down to community for me. So I decided to start my coaching journey by building community Mm. from, from the very first step. And I aligned myself with other coaches that I found inspiring in the space. 
I sought them out. I was always asking everyone like, hey, who's your coach? Connect me with them. I want to meet them. And through that process, I met some really, really, really powerful coaches that were just at similar or maybe a little further along in their journey to me. And they all came from different waves of experience in terms of the industries they've played in, Mm -hmm. the, the types of roles that they've held in those industries and their journey of what brought them to coaching was different as well. And that that's really what started to create the foundations of Ether is how do I align myself with peers in this space? that really inspire me who I can learn from through and with. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. There's obviously a lot more to explore, but that's, that's created a powerful container for exploration for us professionally in the coaching domain. Mm. And I'll, I'll share more in depth as we continue, you know, about what ether is becoming and where we're heading from here. The first thing I just wanted to explore there was anybody can be a coach. But I can say from my own experience, both working with coaches and also having met, you know, you and some of the other ether folks, there, there's something different going on there, right? Like I've met a million coaches in my life, but there's something different going on with you guys. And so what I'm really curious about as a starting point is what are those like central questions that are, are, are pulling you forward? Because I, I feel a difference around you all when, when I'm around the ether folks, like I've met a lot of entrepreneurs and there's a very like, there's like this very intense, like pushing energy that entrepreneurs often have, or, or many entrepreneurs classically mm-hmm. have. But I don't, I don't feel that in a in, in, for, around you guys. And I don't when I when I say that, I don't mean you're not motivated. I don't mean you're not ambitious. I just mean it feels more like you're being pulled by something or by several somethings. And so I'm curious what what that is because I can feel it energetically with you all. But what are those questions, or what is it that you feel pulling you all together and then forward? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Andrew, for that beautiful reflection. It feels really good to receive that. Of course. And I know all the ether coaches who you spend time with care deeply about you as well, as do I. Thank you. And in terms of those those questions, I think it really has started with choosing to do it differently than we've done it before in our careers for all of the coaches. Mm. And so for me, the the first question was like, how would I do this differently? What did I do in the past with my past ventures that I don't want to repeat here? And what you just spoke to that, that like constantly pushing, pushing, pushing entrepreneur mentality, grinding it out, workaholism, all of that. I wanted to completely remove any potential for that happening. So what I did Hmm. was gave us essentially an infinite container of space to explore and play together and the way that that materialized in practicality was a monthly call with these coaches <laughs> and then you know very often one, once a month or several times a month I'll do one-on-ones with each of them to just kind of like further nurture this this idea of ether and what it even is and all the while like we you know we have full rosters of coaching clients in our practices we have we're sending referrals together we're collaborating together we're doing you know, workshops, corporate offsites, retreats, all of this is happening, but not with any intentional, like, here's where it's going. And we didn't, the the LLC was formed in the beginning, but we haven't had any business plan or clear vision of like where this goes from here, because we've intentionally chosen to be in that exploration space of like, let's, let's play and create together, you know, with limited strings attached and just see what comes up and see what feels good. And and continue to ask ourselves like what does feel good and what doesn't feel good here and eventually that's leading us to getting to a more structured like here's this business's plan and strategy and 
here's what it looks like over the next 12 months and beyond. And we're getting there now, but it's taken us a year and a half to get there. Wow. You know, what, what really strikes me about that is the trust, right? And I, 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 I didn't think I was going to say that, but <laughs> what I mean is when I thought about creating things in the past, there's almost a frenetic, almost manic quality to it. And what strikes me is so different in what you just said was I was just listening to you and I'm like, wow, there's just this like undercurrent background of trust that it feels like is holding. I'm, I'm imagining it, you all hmm. feel is like holding you in this process because I don't know how else one would step into such a nebulous process and allow it to emerge rather than feel like you had mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. And I can't speak, you know, for all the coaches cause we're all on our own individual journey, but at least for me, it's really been a sense of being proud of myself mm. for what I've accomplished in my career. Mm. And, you know, I'm very, very privileged and fortunate to have a, a breadth of clients that allows me to play and explore without a bunch of concern for financial stability. Mm. And, you know, that's true for most of us. So the way that the stars aligned for us and where we were positioned in our careers was, it gave us the space to, to be able to enter in this way with a lot of curiosity. And I think the key to it, to doing that was like actually recognizing that we, we already have made it like we've already done it. There's nothing more to achieve. Mm. We don't need to try to get to the next big milestone, like just really being in our, our success. And I'm not talking like we've, you know, exited companies and done all this, like made a bunch of money. It has nothing to do with that. It's like, we're, we're, we're good. We're good where we're at. You know, we have lives that we're really, really proud of and really honoring that and being able to recognize that and celebrate that together. Like that's, that's the best thing you could ever achieve, I think right there. So essentially starting with the destination that most people strive to get towards being the foundation of the project. I can imagine people listening to this are like, okay, Kenny, tell me more. Like, how do I do that? Because that sounds really good. So how, Mm. how do you do that? Like, cause I, it sounds like that was a conscious choice to say, you know what, we're going to start from not not to start with the end in mind, we're going to kind of emotionally, experientially start at the end and then uh-huh. things build and emerge on top of that foundation. So how how did you actually go about that? Because that's fascinating to me. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, as coaches, having been gifted with, with skills through our training to be able to ask the questions of what is it that I'm doing all this for anyways? Mm-hmm. You know, if I... I get that big promotion or, you know, are making a big salary or sell my company, what does that get me? Mm-hmm. Like, like what would next, you know, sure. to what end? And so really like helping our clients and ourselves to paint that picture of what is it that success brings? Is it freedom of lifestyle? Is it, is it comfort? Is it great relationships? Is it flexibility and schedule? Just really getting clear on that stuff from the beginning. Mm. and knowing what that is so that you can actually recognize that you have it already Hmm. and maybe you don't and and then it requires some cultivating but i'm a firm believer that there there is nothing more to do or achieve there's just recognizing how great our lives already are and i you know i speak from a place of tremendous privilege in saying that and that's not everybody's reality but it is mine and if I'm going to have, you know, any impact on benefiting others that are less fortunate, then the first thing I need to do is recognize 
that there is nothing more for me to do or achieve than just to tap deeper into myself and and bring that forward, you know, with the intention of of being of service, which is what coaching is really about for me and the rest of the ether coaches, I think. You know, in our conversations, both explicitly and implicitly, the, the theme of service has really been a very clear through line in all of uh, everything I've ever heard from you. And it's something that I think is really, I, I first of all, just want to acknowledge and, and note that. Thank you. What is it when you think about for you personally, like for Kenny, not not for Ether, not for all the things you might create, but for you personally, like what is it when you think about the service you want to provide? How do you articulate that for yourself? Hmm. Let me sit with that for a second here. Sure. The service that I want to provide really is an authentic embodiment of fulfillment Hmm. so that I'm an example for the people that I work with and both as peers and as clients. That's it. And I think that's everybody's job. And I do believe that human nature is is authentic, is, is naturally good. And most people want to be of service. They just haven't quite determined how. Mm. And in many of our cases, myself included, we have a ton of competing priorities and responsibilities and things that we're, you know, seemingly striving to achieve that helps us get distracted from our path to higher levels of service. And so just really committing to that that embodiment of authenticity has the first prerequisite to like intentionally serving in any practical ways that that is the beginning for me of thinking about like how to show up in service to others. How do you show up in service to yourself first? Like how do you become whole so that you even your cup is full, right? Your cup is full to, to pour into others from there. Yeah. And, and what about ether? Yeah. So, you know, with, with Ether, of course, structuring, you know, all types of different business models and really basing them on exactly what I just shared with you, right? Of, of everything that we do, whether it's a one-on-one coaching container, a group coaching container, a retreat, a corporate offsite, you know, any of our various programs that you know, we're coming out with, all of them are focused on, on really supporting people and stepping into their highest expression, which you know, first means that you need to prune the weeds in the garden. I can't just plant more flowers in a garden full of weeds. Mm-hmm. And so really mm-hmm. identifying what those what those weeds are and doing that work to, you know, dig deep and uproot those things. And that is that is the process of how we approach personal and professional development. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all connected, really, really sinking into yourself and identifying instead of taking on, you know, more courses and and more trainings and more coaching it's really just getting the things out of the way that are really at the foundation of everything that you do and so the service that we're providing is you know containers and coaching relationships to support and nurture people through that process hmm. what's an example of that you know you said not it's not necessarily about going and taking another course or a training or whatever but it's it's sort of this clearing away of the things that are in the way what are some of those things mm-hmm. that are that commonly show up for people most of it related to negative self-talk you know back to our relationship with ourselves am i do i do i love myself am i mean to myself am i comparing myself to others do i have imposter syndrome mm. 
do I believe in myself? These are the things, these are the, the limiting, the limiting beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. That, that everybody has. And I still have them to this day. And, you know, I've had the privilege of working with incredible coaches and still, you know, I still have stuff coming up. I had stuff <laughs> coming up before this podcast. Like, oh my gosh, Andrew's like so much smarter than me and he's so much more accomplished than me, right? And no, these are the no, things no. that come up in my mind and I get to look at those. I don't believe them, but I get to look at them and, well, I mean, you know, I'm pretty freaking smart. But well, you know what's really funny is I that I, to... I have the same, I have the same <laughs> stuff come up before this podcast about you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's, that, so and that's it, right? Because none of, none of that is true. That's our mind playing tricks on us, trying to keep us safe. And so that that's the example I can provide is like everyone has that stuff. What is that stuff for you? And let's talk about it and let's be free and open with it. And, you know, vulnerability is, I think, a foundational component for for how we coach and, you know, a way, a way of being that, that we hope to encourage everyone we work with to to step into yeah man it it's so i don't know the right word but it's so funny to me to hear you say that because i as i said i literally had the same stuff about like accomplishment come up with you i was like oh man kenny's done like so many cool things like he's up to you know all it's my you know, all the noise just in the head mm-hmm. um it's so funny but the thing that i am really curious about so first of all thank you for just opening that up because it, i didn't even realize i was holding that either until you said it and then i kind of mm-hmm. felt it release so thank you mm-hmm. The thing I'm wondering is, you know, you talked about negative self-talk and imposter syndrome, and I can think of one, two, four different conversations I've had with people this week where those were clearly at play, both either for me, for them, or for both of us, especially the imposter syndrome. And I I think that's something that like everybody experiences at times. How do you, how do you deal with that yourself? How do you coach people to, to move through that? So I think the the beginning steps of that are really spending time with what it is that you're comparing yourself against that makes you feel like a composite, like an imposter. Really exploring that, taking the time to do some deep work around what is it that I'm thinking about specifically. What are the top one, two, and three most repetitive thoughts in my mind that have me feeling like a, an imposter? Mm. And those are the those are the things, right? To really understands before you can start to ask yourself what is it within me actually that knows the truth that none of that matters and i know who i am Hmm. right and i i have magic to bring to the world and no one else can do it like me and you know if it's hard for someone to to believe in themselves like that that's that's where coaching can be so supportive. That's where community can be so supportive is to get those reflections of how the world sees you, but you don't happen to see yourself. And I think that you and I just learned through through our little exchange there that, you know, my perception of you is very different than your perception of yourself. And hmm. usually others see us in a much higher light than we see ourselves. So I really like to use reflection of from others as a tool and i encourage my clients to go and to get those right to reflect mm. on ourselves and to get reflection from others because it helps us see ourselves and we don't take the time to reflect then of course our brain's going to latch on to all the things that have us feeling like an imposter because that's all that it sees in the conscious mind without you know a deeper dive in space to explore and get curious mm. yeah i really appreciate that thank you you know one of the things that that I, 
I'm personally going through in my life that I, I'll just throw out there because I have a feeling just based on all the conversations I've had with other people, I think it's, I think a lot of people are experiencing this right now is, is a real, I was going to say questioning, mm. you know, a real questioning of a lot of things and in a re, a reevaluation kind of charting a new course, whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> metaphor you want to use for that. And one of the things that I'm finding for myself and, and others that I'm in, in conversation with that's coming up a lot is, is a, a challenge of basically like knowing what you really want. Like, you know, when I really think about it, honestly, for myself, that's been one of the hardest challenges I've ever, that I continue to deal with is like discerning what is it that I really want and what is just, you know, an idea that society put in my head or that, you know, the person I talked to three mm-hmm. days ago, like it just sort of got mm-hmm. planted in there. How, how do you approach that question either for yourself, with your clients, whatever, like how do you help people to, to tap into that? Because I, just as a, again, going to your, your notion of reflection, you in the time we've known each other have really struck me as someone who, who is very centered in yourself, very rooted in, in yourself, what you believe, what you want more so than many people I meet. And so, you know, I'm, I, mm-hmm. I sort of look to you as an example of that. So I'm really curious, how do you think about that for yourself or for others? Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. Well, yeah, it just strikes my curiosity of, I think it's different for everybody and how they explore that. And we're all at a different point in that journey of identifying what we really want Hmm. and bringing awareness to the things that we have or that we're working towards that we don't actually want and even recognizing that we don't Mm -hmm. want them. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's entry point into that work is different. You know, it might be a transformational retreat. It might be coaching. It might be psychedelics. It might be surfing one day with a beautiful sunrise and you just realize like, hey, I want more of this and less of (laughs) working in a box with lights shining on me all day looking at a computer screen. (laughs) That that was definitely part of my journey was that (laughs) that experience. So, yeah, that you know, that's... That's how I think about it is like recognizing that everyone's in a different point in that journey. And this, the way to start is just ask the question, hmm. what do I really want? Most people aren't asking that question. And the majority of humans spend their entire lives not asking that question. And we're at this really, really, really special day and age and, and course point, point in the course of human, you know, existence where that question is being asked more often and it's it's really beautiful i think and i think it's really special to be alive at this time where i would say the consciousness of our species is really evolving quickly and that's a more normalized question now and obviously we have the pandemic to thank for that in a lot of ways of Mm -hmm. all the things that we went through to be able to examine you know what's working for us what's not and at the same time there's tremendous repercussions affecting society and our economy coming out of that kind of pause that we took, right? The pause Mm -hmm. and the the time to actually realize that things aren't working for us anymore. Well, now we have a whole set of new issues where we're trying to get back to business as usual and organizations and teams are having a really hard time getting through how to be productive again when people are still being with that question of what do I really want? Is it this? And there's a ton of resistance, I think, between employee and employer right now Mm. of how to re, you know, grab each other's hands again and start walking on a path that feels more aligned for everybody and, Mm -hmm. and supports, you know, both the organization and the people within it. 
I really resonate with what you're saying there. And I'm, I'm seeing, I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere around me and every, most people I, I talk to, there is this real active exploration and reconsideration of like, you know, even if we could restrict this to the professional domain, you know, it, of what do I want? What do I want this to look like? What feels good to me? What feels aligned to me? And, you know, I think the reality is that's happening not just at work, it's happening across their lives, but, you know, we do spend a mm-hmm. very large percentage of our waking lives involved in our work. When you, you know, I'm really curious, like they're, they're, you use this word consciousness and, and that's a word that I'm very fond of on, on multiple levels. And I really, I really dig it from the all. And I mean that like I'm down with like the woo woo versions of that. And I'm down with the sciencey versions mm-hmm. of that. Like I, I like mm-hmm. all of them, mm-hmm. but I'm curious when you point at that and you describe kind of this, this shifting consciousness that you're perceiving and experiencing, how does this show up? Like, what are you seeing? Well, one, it's really what you just described that I like to call it the spectrum of woo that we might apply to the word consciousness. Right? Like, I'm, what does that I'm, word make you feel? T- by the way, a quick I am stealing that for sure. Spectrum of woo. I am totally stealing that. I will try to give credit, but I may forget. I stole it from someone else, but yeah, please use it for you. Free to use it. And, and so that word consciousness, you know, it's, it's becoming more familiarized. I definitely wouldn't say that it's normalized yet. And it makes people feel something. And depending on, on where they're at on the spectrum of woo, it either makes you feel good or it is off-putting in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And just to get right to the point of this whole thing, the, the, the whole purpose of Ether is to help people build a relationship with their own consciousness. Mm. That is why we exist. And I don't say that publicly, and it feels really good to say it. Mm on this podcast really for the first time outside of our our circle of coaches you know as i say that that might strike some as like oh what the heck does that mean yeah this this is on the woo spectrum this might be too woo for me right and we're coaching you know professionals and business leaders at the highest level so having a conversation around that starts with well what is consciousness and everybody definitely has a different explanation or definition for that, you know, by, the, by how they relate to it and what it means to them. And, yeah. and that is what ether is. It is the exploration of that. And the scientists all are baffled at what this word means, right? No one can really figure it out. Where does it come from? What is it? Even the quantum physicists are stumped. They can't figure it out either. So it's a, it's a process that we all get to be in together of learning more about this word and this thing that is consciousness and you know my hope and my wish and our for ether and for our contributions to the world is that that can be a really really positive exploration and relationship that we have with with that word Mm, thank you for sharing that i had never heard you say those words before but i kind of felt it and so there was this moment of resonance when you said it i went like ah that's it that's the thing that I've been getting from like feeling from Kenny without like having it articulated. So it's really cool to hear you say that. And that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, man. Thanks for pulling it out of me. You're kind of going back to the, doing a callback to what we said earlier in the, in this chat was it's an exploration, right? It's an open-ended exploration of this word. What does it mean? How does it show up? What is my relationship to it? And then the answers to all of those questions are always evolving themselves. So it really is this open-ended journey that you're, that, that ether is, is, as I'm starting to understand it, really a, a vehicle for this journey. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, we're not 
using that language with our clients yet. It's, it's kind of, there's a saying in coaching that you give people what they think they, you tell people you're going to give them what they think they want and then you really give them what they need. And yeah, that, that's, that applies, I think, in this, in this context of the idea of consciousness and exploration of consciousness being essentially the future of coaching as we see it and finding ways to bridge, be bridges to talk about that in, you know, very professional settings to where mm-hmm. the language is approachable and accessible for people. And of course, yeah, you know, breaking that down, what does this mean? This exploration of consciousness thing? Well, it, it starts with the many decades of incredible literature and research and science that goes into personal professional development and coaching. Uh, none of that goes away. None of that goes away. It's just mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. there's an evolution of where we go from here. And that's really what we're exploring with Ether. And consciousness just happens to be kind of the North Star for us as we see it right now. That's so, so fascinating to me. And, and, and I look forward to exploring this with you and all the ways that we'll support each other in this journey, because I think that is in many ways, that's the journey of all of life. One of the passions you and I connected on, on our last walk was this idea that organizations really can be vehicles for that exploration. You know, we were talking about the idea of an everyone culture and like a deliberately developmental organization. And, and when I think about this, that's that's sort of the the most I could say widely accessible language I've found for this. What are you What are you finding? Like, what's working? Well, I think to your earlier point about you know DDOs and and everybody culture, that's that is I would say the the highest form of you know approaching this that that exists today. But thank you for sharing that with me, Andrew. It, Actually, as soon as I started talking about it to one of the other Ether coaches, I, I had to gift him the book. So I haven't even got to finish reading the Everybody Culture yet. But yeah, I really think that's as far as we've gotten of being able to enroll everybody in an organization in this process of radically developing ourselves. And, you know, even through the, the challenge and kind of the pain that can come with that sometimes, it's, it is painful to admit when we're wrong and what we're wrong about and where we have to grow it can be and that that concept of you know deliberately developing ourselves as a culture within an organization is i think incredible for that and it's still there there's there's there will be in 50 years a a whole body of work well beyond this idea of a ddo right and so that's what we're curious about at ether is exploring what is that domain and I think to put it really simply, we've done a great job with, you know, the top research studies and scientists in the world when it comes to human development, all chapters of life. But the domain that we still have to explore is, you know, if we've done a really good job in like the mind and body domain of exploring everything going on in that mind body connection, we're now talking about brain gut connection and really like for the first time. And that's huge, a huge, tremendous opportunity to further research and neuroscience. There's also the spirit, right? And mind, body and spirit is kind of an uncharted domain, at least as it relates to the science and studies that have been done and connecting the dots on those. And there's definitely some leaders that are exploring that space. There's not any generally accepted body of work to explore the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, Ether is not claiming that, that we're going to be the ones to do it, but we are going to be a part of the conversation and 
our goal is to align ourselves with others who are interested in this exploration and doing that together. And I think that, you know, people collectively are, you know, the idea of spirit, when I even say that word, much like consciousness might make you feel something, but I think it's, I think people are ready. I think people are ready to talk about, you know, what does that mean for me and how can I achieve success in life, success in, in business, success in my career by being more in touch with my mind, my body and my spirit. That's a perfect segue. I want to start to kind of shift us and close out here a little bit. But one of the things that you said there that I really love and I wanted to push in on a little bit is, is this notion of success. What does that look like for you? Like, how do you define it for yourself? I don't relate to that word, to be honest with you. I, I've explored my relationship with the idea of success. I think it can be really a motivating word and it has been for me for many years. But if we, if we dig into it further, like, what are we, what are we trying to succeed at? And Mm. if you, if you break it down to, you know, I want to hit this milestone and I want to get to this point in my career, I want to, you know, buy the house, I want to get married, doing any of those things, does that mean success? I, I don't relate to the word in such a way that, that it is indicative of achieving some, some certain level of feeling successful. I like to feel successful right now, like at the highest level. (laughs) That's what it's all about for me. So yeah, I've been as successful as I can be already. I already am. And, and so everything that I want to do in my life, I have reasons for doing those things, but the reason is not success. I love what you just said. And it reminds me of an earlier conversation on this podcast with a woman named Laura Garnett, who I wrote a really great book called The Genius Habit. <laughs> and it's really about finding your your zone of genius, right? And and one of the things she said to me when I asked her that question has always stuck with me. And I think it's it's exactly what you're pointing to. She's like, well, I'm already successful and I have an expanded vision. Yeah. These are not contradictory terms. Like, you know, one can be successful in this moment and be creating and aspiring Ooh, to more. I love that. What if fulfillment was part of the journey and not, you know, something you thought you were going to pick up, like a, pr- a prize you're going to pick up? Yeah, at the end? I love how she, she thinks about that. Really, it feels like not working towards anything that we don't already have and relating to the expansion, relating to the, the ongoing creation as just, you know, an evolution of the journey and a, an, an opening and expansion of that creative energy, if we can use those terms. That's definitely how I like to think yeah. about it. So it just becomes a journey and it becomes fun and it becomes an evolving form of our personal expression and how we express, you know, in personal and professional parts of our lives. Totally. So, you know, I, this idea of fulfillment is, a, is important. It's important to you. It's important to me. I think everybody actually is seeking that even if, you know, they are calling it something else, right? If they're aspiring after the job or the house or the car, or the whatever, you know, ultimately everybody wants actually to be happy and feel fulfilled. What I'm curious about is, is how to make this come alive on a day-to-day basis, because that's really where the rubber meets the road. So I'm wondering if, if you were advising the person listening to this right now, what would you advise them to do in terms of, of helping them to feel successful and fulfilled all along the way? Is there a question you'd start having them ask themselves is there, you know, what, what would you suggest to them? Yeah, I would suggest just taking a personal inventory on 
kind of the pillars of your life and the pillars that I would use to really look at and say like, Hey, how am I doing in this domain? This part of my life. How do I feel about it? What would I change, add or stop doing in this area? And, and for me, those areas really are, you know, our relationships with others, our community, really like friends. So the, the people that we relate to in a non-intimate way, and then your intimate relationship or relationships. So the, those, those two elements of relating to others being tremendous. And then obviously we have career, we have finances, we have health. And then at the middle, all that really is the self. So, and, and to me that, that can, that's where the spirit would come in. Right. And of course, mind, body and spirit all apply in that domain of the self, but much of that also falls in like the health category. So just looking at all of those different pillars of life, recognizing that at the middle of all of it is us and our relationship to ourselves. And just going through that exercise is something I do, you know, once a quarter at least. And it really helps me get clear on where I'm at and where, where I'm tracking in terms of my personal fulfillment. And even just like the looking at it and recognizing, oh, I, I didn't realize until I wrote this down that this is how I was feeling about my finances or about my health or about my relationship with my fiance. And oftentimes it's much better than I actually recognize. So that, that to me is, is a really good way to find some easy fulfillment is just to take the time and the space to be in reflection with some of our major life pillars. Totally. I, I love that. I'm going to yes and that. And the the other one that I really hear from you, and, or actually, I'm going to say it differently, that I really receive from you because, you know, you said something earlier in this conversation that I want to acknowledge I, that from my perspective, you're doing was you talked about embodying fulfillment and authenticity. Right. And, and I think that word embodying is very important because it is distinct from talking about it, thinking about it, whatever about it. There's just being it. Mm. And the thing that I really get from you in the time we've spent together is a quality of trust and of gratitude that I think is actually what's underpinning what you just described. Because it's one thing like I, I know a lot of people who have done a personal inventory who are real <laughs> unfulfilled. And so I think my yes and would be. And can you approach that inventory from a place of trust and gratitude, <laughs> which is what I actually experientially get in our dynamic. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I love the the reflections that you offer, Andrew. You have a, a real way of bringing out qualities in people that they're not seeing or feeling in themselves. And I, I think trust and gratitude for sure is those are, you know, values or virtues that I, I think about often. Yeah, it comes through. Thanks, it comes man. through. Thank you. Approaching approaching life with gratitude is is a helpful precursor to fulfillment, I think. How do you do that? Because like, you know, I, I think everybody by now has heard like, you know, be grateful, have a gratitude practice, something like this. Yeah. We all know that's a good thing. How do you do it? I'm a big fan of Atomic Habits, the book, James Clear. Okay. Big inspiration yeah. for me. And just like the idea of habit stacking is something that he talks about and the opportunity to really build things that you don't yet do into the things that you already do. So for example, like I eat food every day and I now take that time before I eat my food to express gratitude for, you know, the food, my life, the beautiful day that I've had, the incredible people that I might be with 
And, and that's it for me. I used to have a morning gratitude practice and then it became like another task and thing that I had to do. So when I finally started, you know, following James Clear's advice and habit stacking, it became just part of my normal eating ritual and it's built in now, you know, two or three times a day. And it made it really easy to not even have mm-hmm. to think about it. And now it's, you know, subconscious automated behavior. I, I really dig that. And, it, you know, there's a, there's a book I mentioned or I meant to mention earlier when you brought up ritual early in this chat. Have you ever read The Power of Ritual? No. I think you'd love it. And I think the plug for it is, well, I think you actually just gave the perfect plug for it. It's this idea of how does, how do we infuse our lives in a holistic sense with a sense of meaning and ritual in many moments, not just, you know, we, I think many people hear like the word ritual and they think of some big grand ceremony or something like that. But I think it's the, the reality of it. I think it's much more what you actually just gave a great example of. And, and it's a book I found really meaningful over the summer that I just wanted to throw out there for, for you and for, for the listener. So thank you. Yes. I, I haven't received a bad book recommendation from you yet. So yeah, I'll check that one out and I'll, I'll, I'll go through all your show notes from all your episodes and pull out all the great books that you've actually yet to recommend me directly. <laughs> just, just ask me. That'll take you too long. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, Kenny, I want to start to close out here with a couple of rapid fire mm-hmm. questions. They're, they're quick questions. Your answers don't have to be quick. They can be whatever length feels good to you. And, and they're just things that I, I find interesting to ask folks. One of them is, is if you could go back to the start of this chapter of your life, or if you're in, in a transition of chapters to the start of the last chapter and, and start again, knowing what you know now, what would you do? wants to say nothing because, you know, there's, there's a lot of value in everything and all right. the mistakes. But for the sake of, of giving you a good answer here. I would spend less time on social media. That shouldn't surprise anybody, but it's taken me a good long time to really kick my relationship with social media being non-beneficial. And I'm really grateful to be in a place where, you know, through social media fasting, I've, I've been able to separate myself from that. But definitely too many, too many conscious hours of, of my waking day spent there and didn't receive as much as I put into it in terms of time. And yeah, plus one to that. I'm, I'm, I, I've yet to find a, let's say a mutually supportive relationship with most social media. Mm-hmm. So it feels usually like a one way street and I'm on the losing end. So I, I hear you <laughs> on that one. Who or, or what would you say has a big influence on you or shaped how you see things? Are there any, any figures in your life that, that really shape you or, or you, you, know, you mm-hmm. carry with you as you go forward? Yeah, definitely. And I've always had a hard time answering questions like who are your heroes or who do you look up to? And there's definitely qualities of people that I look up to. Like I look up to many qualities in Elon Musk. There's many things about Elon that I, I don't aspire to, you know, be like. To me, my biggest influence by far has been spending time with indigenous leaders from tribes in North and South America and just being having my mind and my world open to an entire different way of being a human being and to see how they Hmm. they embody values and virtues and how they lead from a very different way than than we do here in the west has been very insightful for me of just knowing that like there is another way and it doesn't have to be the way that i choose to follow but there's certainly a lot to be learned from things drastically different from everything that we know and mm-hmm. they do exist you just gotta look a little harder sometimes yeah absolutely how do you that that's on the the more on the woo end of the spectrum of woo and i think a lot of people might go like <laughs> uh-huh. 
I don't think it needs to be there, but I think a lot of people reactively will, will think it's there. Are there any either people or books or, or resources of any kind that you th- you find you think are like are, are good, accessible starting points for someone to start to tap into this indigenous wisdom? Because I think there is something really amazing there. And a lot of people may be looking for like candles to kind of, you know, get, start to. Yeah, there's a lot that. of really incredible books written from, you know, Native Americans in particular who. You know, I, I grew up in California and this is Native American indigenous land that we're on. So I think that's a good place to start if you're in North America. And there's a, a tons of incredible resources out there. One author in particular, Joseph Marshall, who's the author of The Lakota Way and The Power of Four, which is Native American leadership book, basically. So it's it was recommended to me by a Native mentor that I have who said, if you want to learn about leadership, then you read this book. And it's about... Crazy Horse, one of the last standing leaders of the Lakota tribe, and essentially how he led his people through really tumultuous mm. genocide and period of time in which they were being chased by colonizers to eradicate their people. And it talks about how he led and how he participated in the process of those, those battles and that really hard journey as if he was not any sort of a leader. And really Mm. being a leader that was talked about more towards the end of his life and by his people after his death, as opposed to him ever relating to himself as a leader. He was just one of the people and he was just doing, you know, what he felt he was there to do. All right. I love it. Thank you for that. I'm going to go get that book myself. That feels feels like exactly what I want to read. So thank you for that. So just in closing out here, Kenny, <laughs> where can people find you? Where can they engage with Ether? Like people want to follow up and go deeper with either you or Ether coaching, et cetera. Like where should they go? Please yeah. So them. our website is ether.us, E-T-H-R dot U-S. And my Instagram is Kenny Borg. Those would be the two best, best places to find us. Perfect. All right. We will make sure all that stuff is linked in the show notes. So everyone, if you want to go deeper, please do follow that. And then Kenny, just in closing out, what would you like to leave? I would leave the listeners and myself with the question, what have you found today? That's beautiful. Mm, Thank you for that. All right, my man. Well, it's been great to have you here. Thank you so much for spending some time with me and congratulations on bringing Ether into the world and starting an exciting new journey that I think we're all going to benefit from. Thank you, Andrew. So awesome to spend time with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, I'd be so grateful if you could do me a favor and take about 25 seconds to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me reach way more listeners, and it also helps me bring you more great guests. As always, please feel free to reach out to me anytime at connect at makethingsthatmatter.com. And until next time, my friends, leave them better than you found them. See you out there.